ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Today we very happily celebrate the appearance in this world on this planet in this Bharata bhumi of Sri Ramachandra Bhagavan who appeared in the Treta Yuga that means how long ago that how long ago is that about 3 lakhs you know it's actually about 177 lakhs because it wasn't this trade you just before it was a long time before 17.7 million years go and tell that to your science teacher oh, no 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 humans at that time they're only dinosaur i don't know what they say we don't care what they say they're all nonsense rascals and fools if they believe darwin's theory <clears throat> you might have thought we would chant ragupati raghava raja ram patita pavana sita ram but we didn't actually when shila propat was inaugurating this movement he actually taught this to the devotees to chant this but later on he said not to chant it and particularly on ram navami when the devotees asked about singing some different songs said you chant the hari krishna mantra that's sufficient ram is the so i didn't chant that <clears throat> ramachandra is the supreme personality of godhead he has this unusual pastime but all the pastimes are unusual they're all atimartya alokik atimartya means beyond the platform of this world of which is subject to death alokik means not of this world atimanava beyond the human platform or mm. the one unusual feature of his pastime is that bewildered by his own yogamaya potency he doesn't know or recognize that he's the supreme lord there's a reason for that ah uh, well one reason is for exchanging with with his devotees exchanges of love god's too big too much great greater than us so friendship can be between people of equal status
as uh, Drupada told Drona, and they'd been school friends together, but later Drupada, he said, oh, you're, just, you're just some, I can't be friends with you, you're just some indigent Brahmana. I'm a rich king, we, I cannot be friends with you. He insulted him in this way. So that's one reason. Another reason is that Ravana, when taking boons, he said, well, I won't be killed by any gods or demons or rakshasas. But he didn't, he neglected to take the boon to not be killed by human. Because he thought, it's just like you, you don't pray, Oh God, please protect me from the ants crawling on the ground. Little ants. Actually, in some places you might pray. In, in America, they're, what are they called? Fire ants. They're red ants, big ones. And they, they, they bite you so bad, you don't forget it for weeks. But little ants crawling around... You don't pray, oh God, please, please protect me. Do a special puja to protect me from ants. You don't bother. So Ravana was thought, humans, I eat them for breakfast. I know, what, what am I going to bother about protection from them? So Ramachandra, he was in the mood, of, because Vishnu is considered God, Deva, he is Ramachandra Deva. The word Deva can be applied to a godly person also. Naradeva. The king is called Naradeva, God among humans. But he was in the consciousness that I'm a human. And every, everyone else was in the consciousness that he's in. Mostly. Brahma had to remind him at one point. But uh, otherwise he was in that consciousness. But he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. <clears throat> Which is why we worship him. Is it? Maybe. Probably. But uh, he actually invokes much affection among his devotees. On this day in North India, you'll find so much festival. One day... One time I came, I think I was in Mayapur for Ram Nomi, then I came to Jharkhand, and we were drive the next day. We were, dri we were driving through the villages, and there, you could see there'd been a huge festival in all the villages. There was all posters and banners and streamers, and it was a huge festival, even up to the present day. So it's not that they're celebrating the festival just because he's God, but there's a, there's a sense of affection for him. Uh, he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That means Aishvaryasya, Samagrasya, Viryasya, Yashasha, Sriyaha, Jnana Vairagya Yoschaiva, Shandang Bhaga Itingana. He's full with all the opulences of wealth, Strength, 
fame, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation. Some of the some of the avatars they exhibit some of these qualities more. Mohini exhibited the beauty of the Supreme Lord in a female form. Balaram also. He manifests strength and beauty. Several of the avatars, they manifest knowledge. Hayagriva, for instance, and Hangsa avatar, they particularly give knowledge. Kapila gives knowledge. Krishna, although all the various forms of the Lord, they have all these qualities, but they some of them manifest, some of them in particular, and others less so. So Krishna, he manifests all these qualities uh, in all uh, in, in, yeah, in all fullness. And uh, Ramachandra Bhagavan also, well, let's discuss that. To, 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 not to the extent as Krishna, but... Uh, in Aishvarya, in opulence and wealth, the description of Ayodhya is there. It's the spiritual world. So it's full in all opulence. <clears throat> Even in this Kali Yuga, there were such great kings in India. They were so wealthy. They, 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 they huge, Rooms of jewels and beautiful uh, arts. The India was so wealthy that people came from various countries to conquer and plunder and loot. That's the English word loot. It means to plunder. It comes from the, the actually that's originally that uh, Hindi word. So they learned it. They, they came here and they, they did that. It was so wealthy that people with great difficulty came crossing the mountains and the desert in the west, crossing the oceans. That was in Kali Yoga recently. So how wealthy was Ayodhya? <clears throat> Not only was the king wealthy, sometimes you hear about wealthy kings, but the citizens they're not very wealthy. Here, Sri Rangam is a very wealthy place by modern standards, not by Ayodhya of the time of Ram, but it's a wealthy place. There's a lot of NRI money here. So many Brahmins have gone overseas or to Bangalore or Chennai. They're earning money. They send it here. So it's a very wealthy place. This area close to the temple is very wealthy. But yesterday we went on the Naga Kirtan to the Kaveri and we saw in that area not so wealthy. Is it? Did you notice? They're, they're not the NRI types. They're the ones who are cleaning the streets and this and that. They're that Kaveri Naga. But in the reign of Lord Ramachandra, of course not everyone was as opulent as the king, but everyone lived with all necessities. Uh, we hear descriptions of the, the uh, 
the kings or the wealthy people that have opulent clothing, that they'd wear it for some sacrifice or then they'd give it to the Shudras. So even the Shudras would be very opulently dressed. So there was great wealth. And people in nowadays, they, uh, there used to be the idea, used to be spoken of in India a lot, Rama Raja. The idea was that when the Indians got freedom from the uh, British rule, that they would, then it would again, we'll have Ram Raja, but there was no Ram, there was only Nehru. A lot of difference. They thought it was all, that the independent struggle was cast as a struggle for, so we can have, again, after so many years of Muslim rule and then British rule, then we can again rule, have Hindu rule, and the cow slaughter will be stopped, and Gandhi was leading, making, presenting it as a spiritual struggle. Otherwise, Indian people, they weren't concerned with politics. They, 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 that was for the Kshatriyas. They did politics. And the other people, they didn't get involved. As Srila Prabhupada described, Prabhupada described, it's common knowledge. The kings would be, the Kshatriyas would be fighting in one field, and in the next field, the Vaishya would be overseeing the plowing of the land. They didn't care who wins the fight, nor is anyone going to kill them. They just go on with their plowing, and whoever becomes the king, they give them the requisite amount of grains after the harvest. They don't, it doesn't, because either king is supposed to rule according to dharma. So the Kshatriya, that was their business, the politics and fighting, but Gandhi and others involved the Indian people. They, for the first time, got them into political consciousness. That now we can, we'll again establish, as Gandhi used to sing, Ragupati Raghava Raja Ram, Patita Pavana Sita Ram, Ishvara Allah Tera Nam, Sabko Sammati Dev Bhagavan. He, he tried to make a little Islamicization of that also. But then after the, uh, everyone thought, okay, now we've got independence, the first thing we're going to do is stop cow slaughter. But Gandhi said, no. Gandhi, the one who had, ins who had inspired them as a spiritual quest to get independence, so that we can stop, it was understood, the Hindu Rama Raja means first thing we're going to stop cow slaughter. But he said, no. You have to have kausar, because the Muslims want it. You can't go against their religion. Well, in Rama's kingdom there was no cow slaughter. We want that. Who will do that? Now we're remembering Lord Rama, but we should remember also that he came as the ideal king, ruling according to dharma. All the kings previously, they ruled according to dharma. The description is there in the first kind of Bhagavatam, of Purikshit Maharaj. <clears throat> that when he saw the cow, not even the bull, not even being killed, but being mistreated, he was ready to kill the miscreant. 
that is required. Rama was not such a king that he would simply sit and pass resolutions, but he killed, even as a young boy, he, he was called to kill the demons who were troubling the rishis in the forest. So anyway, that comes with virya. So first consideration is aishvarya. The other kings, they weren't just living on, they weren't just living on the taxes of the citizens. Just like you find in the modern governments, Whenever any bill is introduced, they discuss it back and forward, they argue about it. But usually what, after the election, they all, yeah, one party will oppose the other party. Then after the election, they all come in, and the first thing they do is they make a resolution to increase their pay. And there's no opposition. If BJP puts some proposal, then Congress will oppose it. And Congress gives something, BJP will oppose it. But when someone gives a proposition, all the MLAs, their salaries should be increased. No opposition, no discussion, just they increase it. Their business is to sit and take taxes. So Rama, he wasn't such a king that he's just sitting and taking taxes. What a, what a contrast. What a contrast between the, the Vedic kings and the modern rulers. They, they, just like this temple here, or the, the rulers have stolen all the lands. They, they steal the money, which is the pilgrims come and give the money. They steal it and they, they can't even make facilities for public toilets. For the, for, for the pilgrims. They don't know anything for the pilgrims. And the money is used for who knows what they use it for, for all their giving away mixies so they can get votes to get, so that they can go on with their corrupt activities. So remembering Ram, we, we cannot help but contrast this with the present situation. We may think, well, let's just hear some nice stories about Ram. Yeah, all right, but let's hear it. But what's happening now? Srila Prabhupada wanted to make a revolution Based no, revolution means uh, Ram Raja should be established. There should be Kshatriyas who they may live opulently, but it's not that they live opulently and and they they uh, they don't care for the citizens. They they can live opulently if they do public welfare activities. They, they can only take a certain amount of taxes in grains and milk products. We see that uh, Nanda Maharaj being very dutiful, he brought milk products to the king, to Kangsa. So these, but the king then he has to see that the roads are kept good and he has to see that there's a sufficient water supply, uh, he, he has to see the people are peaceful and cooperating because if he if if the kingdom is well managed then he'll get his taxes he can, 
But it's not like in the modern age where uh, people, even they don't get money, the, the, the leaders, they squeeze it out so that they can live opulently. But the king can only take a certain amount. He can't take more. So it's in his interest to manage the kingdom in a manner that he will be wealthy and others will be wealthy also. So it's a very good system. That the king, he's obliged to act for the welfare of the citizens. He can't just exploit them. <clears throat> uh, and if he doesn't manage properly, then he can be removed. Or the, a king, a neighboring king, may, out of a sense of dharma, invade his kingdom. For the sake of the citizens, if he hears that the citizens in the neighboring kingdom are suffering, then as a sent out of a sense of dharma, the king from the neighboring kingdom may invade that. So it's not that the kings are just sitting there and exploiting the citizens. They have to rule properly. So Ramachandra is the ideal king. Yudhishthir was no less. He showed the ideal. It's not that... <coughs> Rama can do it and no one else can do it. He shows the ideal. Acting as a human, he shows the ideal. How this, this society should be managed. So this Aishvarya, the opulence that he had, that was uh, shared. Everyone lived comfortably. No one was... Again, there would be different levels. Not everyone was as opulent as the king. But everyone, every all their needs are taken care of. Uh, no one is living in poverty. The king's duty is to see that, that all the citizens are looked after, even the non-humans. Their, their needs are taken care of. So Ram lived, there's descriptions in Ramayana of Ayodhya, how uh, the markets, uh, the marketplaces were stocked with all kinds of goods. Uh, There's abundant in in the neighboring uh, area. There's abundant supply of agricultural goods. There are many cows. Opulence or wealth means uh, dhanyavan dhanavan who has got grains, they're wealthy. Gavaya, dhanavan, who has got grains and cows, they are opulent. So, plenty of, uh, plenty of grains, plenty of milk products, and then so many other things also. Cotton, jewels, silk. Srila Prabhupada discusses these points many goes into a lot of detail in this in his first canto purports of Bhagavatam and again in the fourth canto in the discussion of Prithu Maharaj. Ah. So Aishvaryasya Samagrasya of course all opulence uh, all opulence means everything belongs to him. So that would not that would not be exhibited in any of the forms of the Lord. It's not seen how everything belongs to them, but they live in 
great opulence. Then viryasya. Now this quality is particularly uh, pertinent to and remembered about Lord Ram. His great power and heroism. Power, again, when the Lord comes into this world, he doesn't show his full power. But he shows it commensurate to the situation that he's in. If he showed his full power, then there wouldn't be any leela. For instance, he could have just by his desire, Krishna could have destroyed Duryodhana and the other Dhatarashtras. Just by his thought, he can do so. But he acted as if there was a need of strategy and fighting. He acted in this way. Otherwise, there's no Leela. So Rama, he acted very powerful, irresistible in the sense that he cannot, uh, cannot be resisted. No one went into a fight with Ram and won the fight. He always, always victorious. That's supposed to be a king. He's always victorious. Actually, those very words that just in the British national anthem, God save our gracious queen or God save our gracious king, and the words come, I can't remember the whole thing, but those lines come, always victorious. So if the king's not always victorious, he's a useless king. As soon as he's defeated, then he's, he's out. But Rama was never defeated. And heroism, uh, heroism is meant for protection. There's the idea of nobility. I don't know how you'll say this. In your, in your language, uh, uh, means the code of a the code of a king, or in medieval Europe, there were the knights, and they were supposed to be noble, valorous, chivalrous, for protecting the innocent people. Not that they used the idea is not that they were they were very powerful, but they were very uh, virtuous also. And they use their power not to exploit others or dominate others, but to protect those who require to be protected. They would protect those who require to be protected by punishing those who cause trouble for those who require to be protected, who, who uh, they should not have caused trouble for. So there are so many uh, instances of this. Uh, hero heroism means that they, at great personal risk, they're, they're willing to die for the protection of others. Uh, there are so many instances in, in the Shastras. Uh, those who are willing to die for the protection of others, there is uh, Shibi Maharaj was willing to give his whole body to to protect a pigeon. 
why should he protect a pigeon? But he, he feels the pigeon came to him for shelter, the hawk is chasing me. The hawk said, well, that's my food. You're supposed to protect the pigeon, you're supposed to protect me too. The, the pigeon is my food. So the king said, all right, I'll give flesh from my own body to the same weight as the pigeon. So the pigeon goes on the scale, cuts the flesh from his body. It's not enough. So he cuts more and more and more and eventually puts his whole body. It's a test from the gods. Even the... Uh, but the point is he's willing to do that. Kshatriya is willing to give his life to protect even the most insignificant citizen. That is his duty. He's quite happy to do that. He, he will be, uh, he won't be happy with, his, with himself, nor will anyone else be happy if he doesn't do that. In the Mahabharata, we find the, the family of Brahmanas who had to give one the, the Pandavas were staying with them incognito in their youthful life uh, before they married Draupadi Bhima had already married Hirimba so they were staying incognito pretending to be Brahmanas so th that great demon he had to one family, every month, one family had to give one member uh, to feed this demon. So they were discussing, every, every member of the family said, no, I'll die. No, no, I'll die. Father said, I'll die. No, no, and the mother said, I'll die. And the son said, no, I'll die. And the daughter said, no, I'll die. Kunti heard it said, what's the problem? And they explained said, ah, I'll send one of my sons. <laughs> said, no, no, you're our guest. Well, you see, I have five sons, so if one goes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, the point is that they were all willing to sacrifice their life for the protection of others. And you know the story that Bhima went. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he protected by killing that demon. So the Kshatriyas, they're willing to, to uh, give their life. Not they're willing, but they're trained from the very, from very birth. That you're being trained in fighting, it's not some sport. Now they have fencing as a sport. But previously it was for real. Uh, and... Uh, that they, they were trained from the very beginning of life that you must be prepared to fight and if necessary die for the protection of others. So Rama has stood for millions of years as an exemplar to the whole Kshatriya race how they must be prepared. Ram wasn't defeated, but if a Kshatriya is defeated, he'll die. He won't live. They're dead. You, you conquer or die. That is their code. Of course, there are shameless persons like Jarasandha, who is defeated, 
and then came back again and again and again and again and again and again, eighteen times. And Krishna one time as a tactic ran away and he called him a coward. What a person. No, so Ram was an actual hero, trained from the beginning of life, never defeated. When uh, Parashuram was defeated by him, then Parashuram knew, no, now it's time to go back to being a Brahmin. My time is over. There's another Ram has come. So this Ram became more famous than Parashuram. Parashuram and Kodanda Ram. Uh, one Ram has the, Bhargava Ram has the axe and Ramachandra Bhagavan has his bow. We always see him with his bow. With any picture of him, he's always with his bow. Inseparable from him. That is his, the royal insignia The crown, the uh, chauri, that's the yak tail whisk, chamara. These are all royal insignia, but the bow. So it's not just that he's got a crown for prestige and someone's fanning him, he's got the bow. That means that he has some work to do also. That is his duty to protect others. And again, it's in a, it's in a, spirit of vanquishing the wicked for the sake of protecting the good. And Ram from his very boyhood did this. <clears throat> yeah, even, as, even as a boy, he, that was his initiation into manhood when he uh, was called by Vishvamitra to kill the demons who were disturbing the Rishi's sacrifice. So that was his manhood. Then he was no longer a boy. <coughs> uh, then he married Sita. So then his... Uh, so all very nice pastimes. Uh, of course, if it had only been nice, then there wouldn't have been any Ramayana. Some tragedy struck. If, if, if it had been the story, then he, he killed the demons, he went to Janakpuri, he won the hand of Sita, he came back to Ayodhya, and they all lived happily ever after. Yeah, okay, we would have had Ramayana, the Valkanda, Ayodhya Kanda, and there wouldn't be much else to say. But they wasn't live happily ever after. Uh, actually, Ram is always happy. <laughs> Not that he's disturbed. When he was told that now you are to take over the kingdom, tomorrow you will be crowned, there will be your investiture. All right. Then again he was called, uh, actually, your investiture as the king is cancelled and you have to go to the forest and don't come back for 14 years. Okay. He was uh, always happy. 
Śrīla Prabhupāda notes that the pastimes of Rama seem to be sad. They seem to be very sad. He looked very happy, then he was banished to the forest. And then in the forest they adjusted, they're feeling happy. But the inhabitants of Ayodhya, they're not happy. They're not at all happy. Dasarath wasn't happy. Even Kaikeyi wasn't happy. What to speak of Koshalya? But in the forest anyway, Rama actually expressed, oh, we're very happy living here. And then Sita was kidnapped. <coughs> then there was a great battle, great distress of Rama. Lakshman was there as his assistant. <coughs> assisting not only by protecting, gathering fuel for wood, wood as fuel, gathering fruits and roots from the forest, but also he, he gave Rama good counsel. He acted as a minister to Rama. Don't lament. Don't be overcome by lamentation that Sita is gone, that you should think what to do. Get your wits together. We have to do something. We just can't lament. So, lamentation seems like sadness. Jatayu, the vulture, was killed. More sadness. And then eventually, victory. Lanka Vijay, conquering over the king of Lanka. Sita is returned. Then again, distress. That Rama says, yes, now I did my duty. This Ravana had insulted me by kidnapping you, but I cannot take you. So again, distress. And Sita, she came through the Agni Pariksha, but still some people doubted. So they were reunited, living in Ayodhya, very happy, but still, someone doubted. One low-class person, it came to Rama's knowledge that one low-class person was insulting him for having taken Sita back then, he sent her, again banished. So the pastimes of Rama appear to be <coughs> full of distress. But Srila Prabhupada notes in the Nectar of Devotion, actually it's all blissful. Ananda Chinmaya Rasa. It's all blissful. Otherwise, he says, Srila Prabhupada noted, why would people recite it again and again and again if it's simply a cause of distress? It is all blissful. It is the uh, karuna ras, the, the, uh, the, there's one rasa of, in English it's called pathos. Uh, so some of the rasas, they may not seem to be, uh, very enjoyable. Uh, Bibatsa, that, that, that's disgust. Oh, uh, that might not seem to be very palatable, but in Krishna's pastimes, everything is palatable. It's very, uh, very relishable. Not that we're relishing, oh, Ram is suffering. But relishing that 
Ram is feeling that suffering, Sita is feeling. What is the love between them that they experience such distress upon separation? So devotees, they appreciate how uh, glorious is Lord Rama, not just his heroism, not just his opulence, but his uh, deep love for his wife and for all his devotees. I'll get back to that later. Viryasya, Yasha, his glories. He's famous. He's so famous that after 177 lakh years, he's still famous. Practically in my observation, having traveled throughout this land, throughout most of my life, this life, it seems to me that Rama worship is traditionally more than Krishna worship. Here in the south, definitely, and some areas in the north. In, in Bengal, you won't find much Rama worship. Uh, there is the Ramayana in Bengali, by that uh, Kritivas. There's a Bengali version, just like there's the Hindi edition, there's the, there's the uh, Kamban Ramayana in, in uh, Tamil, there's a Telugu version. There is a Bengali version, but it's not very well known. There's, there's not much Ram, Ram, not so much Ram, but very much Krishna. The Vaishnavism in Bengal is very much centered on Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But all North India, the Vaishnavism is Rama. The main focus is Rama. Krishna in Vrindavan and uh, the pockets, Jaipur, here and there. But mostly, the most popular religious book by far in North India for the last few hundred years has been Ram Charit Manas. So that, that's connected with the Ramayata or Ramanandi Sampradaya. So it may not be exactly the full uh, conception personalist or, or the, of Rama. There may be some mixture there of some uh, Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, desires, all mixed up. But uh, it's been uh, tremendously influential. Uh, many, many people, uh, traditionally, they would know, even they can't read and write, but they know the, the whole, they know, practically they know so, so much. They may not even have deliberately, consciously memorized it, but just they hear it so many times that they, ju they just know it. I, I read a book about this. One, one Western scholar, he did some, some PhD. Yeah, he did PhDs. So he did one on the, the culture of Ramayana. He met some, some farmer, uneducated, and the farmer was in discussing with him, saying so many lines from what they call Ramayana. 
It means Ram Charit Manas. In North India, you say Ramayana, they mean Ram Charit Manas. <laughs> and he asked him, well, How do you know if you, you can't read? Well, everyone knows. It's, it's just in ordinary talk, people will, will say lines like this. Just like uh, in English, there are so many quotations people used to know from the Bible. They don't even know it's from the Bible nowadays. But just in their ordinary talk, they would, they would say something like, beating swords into plowshares, that means to make peace between people, which is from the Bible, like that. There are so many sayings. Now they've... They forgot the sayings, or if they remember the sayings, they forgot it's from the Bible and has any religious connotation. But the point is, it's so much entered, deeply entered their culture that in ordinary conversation, people would quote <laughs> Ramayana. And so as, as far as I can see, in... Uh, India and Nepal, in Sri Lanka among the Hindus. The, the, of course, there are Hindus who are, whose main focus is not Krishna, not Vishnu, Shiva or Murugan or Amman, and nowadays pff, Sai Baba, Hare Krishna. Just said hi, can I just purify myself after saying that? Uh, but among the Vaishnavas, Rama seems to be more famous than Krishna. Actually, if we were promoting Rama, maybe there'd be more response. Maybe. Because people have more feeling, isn't it? In, in Andhra also, more Rama than Krishna. It's only in Bengal and in Orissa. Assam, that area. And maybe you could think of that, promote Rama Bhakti. Not only in India, but uh, Ramayana is also translated in Thai language, is central to the culture. In uh, Indonesia and in Malaysia, in Indonesia even now they have dramas based on Ramayana. In, in Thailand, everyone knows the story of Ramayana. They have their own version in their own language. So all this area, Southeast Asia, was, uh, was and is very famous. Of course, they're Buddhists and Muslims, so, but they still have that feeling. I, I remember I was in Thailand for some time and our devotees... Before the TV serial came, they made an English rendition of uh, Ramayana, or Iskon TV or something like this. And uh, devotees were acting, and we used to show this to the Thai people. And they would say, why is Sita, she's not very beautiful. They thought she should be more beautiful, because they got some 40-year-old devotees acting as Sita. Not... So they were upset. You know, Sita, she should be very beautiful. She doesn't know. (laughs) 
when that Ramayan TV serial came out on television. That was in the 1980s. It was a it was a revelation for the whole of the Hindu community all over India because they'd never done such a thing on TV before. At that time there was only the government channel, Doordarshan, and they never did anything religious. I th- so I, I think it was Rajiv Gandhi, it's credited to him. They put their Ramayana uh, Ramaya each week on TV and the whole of India would stop. And people bring out their puja plates. Mostly people didn't have TVs, so you had a TV. All the village would cram into someone's house or they'd bring the TV outside. And people really, it just came to the, I think that was a major factor in the BJP coming up, that they realized that actually, despite all the propaganda against religion, people still love Rama. And it was a revelation. They couldn't imagine it would be so popular. So Ramayan came, then Mahabharat, and really the the India today it's it's different to India when I first came. People there was people were much more atheistic actually, by the influence of Nehru and all these rascals, especially him. And uh, Prabhupada, his preaching, his teaching, and the fact that Westerners have taken up Krishna consciousness. And it's different. The older generation are worse. <laughs> you may wonder, why did Srila Prabhupada... You see there's such good response to Krishna consciousness in India now. Why did Prabhupada go to the West? Why didn't he just preach here? He could, then he could have take, taken so many Indians with him. But no one was coming. There's a different mood at that time. It was there. You can see it's dormant because the response to that Ramayana. You can see it's dormant. But among the educated people especially. And at that time it wasn't like now where everyone gets educated. But it was a smaller class. And they, many of them, not all of them, many of them were very atheistic. But actually, at least with my experience with atheists in India, if you just scratch and I've just deal with them a little bit, then they'll become devotees also. They're not most of the atheists. They just need a little prasadam or some little preaching too. And they're not hardcore atheists. They're just pretending. That's something else we should do. We should meet the atheists and they're misleading people here in India. We should go and preach to them. We're always preaching them. Of course, it's natural we preach among the... There are so many pious people to take to Krishna consciousness. But we can go to the impious people also. Preach to them. We can preach to the Muslims and Christians and atheists. The atheists will become the best devotees. Because they're convinced. They're not coming by sentiment. 
So anyway, Ram is very famous. He was playing as a king on this world, but the demigods were watching him. He was glorified in the heavenly planets. They were watching him because they wanted him to kill Ravana. They were, they, he came for that purpose. Ah. Then beauty. What shall we say of the beauty of Rama? There's, there's beautiful descriptions, beautiful verses. In all ways, he's most attractive. All attractive. Rama. Yeah, I was saying his pastimes seem to be unhappy, but his very name means happiness. Ramante yogino nante satyananda chidatmani iti rama pade naso parang brahma vidhiyate. The supreme truth is known as Rama because he gives pleasure, unlimited pleasure to the yogis. Yogis means they want to link with the Brahman. So he is, he is Param Brahma. Param Brahma Abhidhyata. He is known as, he is the Param Brahma. He is, uh, he, he's all blissful. He's all truth. He's real bliss. Not the bliss of this world, which turns to distress. But he's all bliss. So, God, means all beautiful. In the uh, constricted conception of God, in the Judeo-Christian, Islamic, Abrahamic religions, they have no conception of God as being beautiful. They say he created this beautiful world. Their, their idea of beauty doesn't go beyond anything in this world. They have no idea of the transcendental beauty of the supreme personality of Godhead. They think they don't, they, not only they don't describe beauty to him, they don't think he has any form at all. They they accept the conception of beauty, but they limit it to this world. Because they say that God has no form, that means no beauty. So their understanding of beauty is only... He creates the beauty, but himself not beautiful. Or you can't see his face. If you see his face, you'll die, because it's too powerful. Something like that. They're all different ideas. They have no idea of the beauty. What to speak of the, the charm, the personality. Such, an, such a nice person. They have no idea... They're fighting and killing each other over religion, but they have no idea of it. Their understanding of religion is so constricted. They have no idea of the beauty of the form of the Lord. He's so beautiful that the, liber the sages in the rishis in Dandakaranya, they're all on the liberated platform. They're not affected by mundane lust. If any beautiful woman would go there, they wouldn't be affected. Uh, 
But when they saw Rama, they were attracted to him, to his beauty. Now you, you may say, well, that sounds something like homosexual or something like that. But it's not. It's completely on the spiritual platform. On the spiritual platform, the person in the male human body can be attracted to the beauty of Rama and Krishna. And that's exactly what happened. When Rama was in the forest, then the uh, sages at Dandakaranya, they wanted to uh, be in a relationship with him by which they could permanently uh, appreciate his beauty. So Rama told them, that's not possible now, but you come back again. I'm coming again. In this, I, he can give them female bodies there and then. See, at this point he understands. Sometimes he understands. He's actually Bhagavan. Mostly not. He said, later I'll come back as Krishna, so you can join me at that time as gopis. So some of the gopis of Vrindavan, they were uh, formerly in uh, Dandakaranya as uh, great rishis and they were blessed by Lord Rama that you, uh, you come and join me. As Krishna, I can accept any number of women in transcendental relationship. But as Rama, it is my vow to accept only one wife. <laughs> so he's so beautiful that the great rishis who had conquered over mundane lust, they could not be attracted by any beautiful female of this world. But they were attracted to the beauty of Lord Rama. So we can understand how beautiful is he. <clears throat> Generally in the Western countries, when people see a picture of Krishna, sometimes they mistake that he's female. Krishna is very beautiful. He's very powerful, very manly. But not this idea of having huge muscles, bursting muscles, not like that. You go to the gym and you get lots of muscles and you look like an orangutan, not like that. Features look soft and beautiful, but very powerful also. So Rama is like that. His beauty is also uh, one of his beauty marks is the uh, line on his shoulder from carrying the quiver for his arrows. Shriya uh, <clears throat> Gyanam. Now I said that, I said means this is Bhagavat Tattva Vigyana as received in disciplic succession. So different avatars of the Lord, they exhibit some qualities more than others. So Rama, he acted 
in this pastime as a king and he's not famous as Krishna is famous for speaking Bhagavad Gita. There's no such instruction by Lord Rama. Not that he's a fool, uh, he's cognizant, he's as a Vedic Kshatriya, he's cognizant of Vedic knowledge. But he's not famous for teaching as Krishna did. He's full of all knowledge, but he's not famous for teaching it. There is one uh, book which is called Adhyatma Ramayana, Spiritual Ramayana, <coughs> which Vaishnava should never read. <coughs> Mm. It's completely impersonalistic, and it's it's uh, Rama being. It presents Rama as being instructed in the, the so-called knowledge of impersonalism. It's not. It's not a bona fide shastra. Uh, <clears throat> so jnana vairagya. Now, of course, Rama. He exhibited vairagya in being completely detached from his kingdom. You take the kingdom. All right, my father's order. Must follow my father's order. Not that, oh, great, father's order. Then next day, father's order, go to the forest. Okay, father's order, whatever he says. Not that, oh, I got the kingdom, then I lost it. No. Not attached. He's raised in luxury and then he's sleeping on the floor in the forest. He has unlimited servants and then he has only Lakshman. He has all opulent foods and he has only jungle roots. Actually, the devotees, they don't like to say all these things, but the devotees also feel suffering to think how Ram went into the forest. But it demonstrates, he's, although he's the Supreme Lord, he's full of all opulence, but if required for his pastimes, he can show also show all detachment. Even detachment for the sake of dharma, he, his beloved wife, he was also even though it gave him great pain, he became detached from her. So he's exemplar of vairagya. Now, I'd mentioned yesterday evening Ramanuja's teaching, Ramanujachai. The definition of Bhagavan, Aishvaryasya, Samagrasya, Viryasya, Yashasya, Shriyaha, Jnavairagya, Yoschaiva, Shamnang Bhaga Itingina. The six principal qualities which Bhagavan has in full. Therefore, he's Bhagavan. These are the characteristics of who is Bhagavan. So that was taught by Ramanuja, that is Shastra. But he also taught that, of 
course, there are so many unlimited qualities of the Supreme Lord. But he marked as the most important, or at least we say the most important for us, who are his part and parcels, who are meant to be his devotees, who are striving to be his devotees. The most important quality is his bhaktavatsalya, his affectionate protection and affection for his devotees. And that is the reason why Ram Nomi is still celebrated today. There have been many dharmic kings in the history of the world. Of course, Rama is exceptional. But like I say, Yudhishthira, he was not in terms of being a dharmic king, Yudhishthira was no less than Rama. He was perfect and, and had so many uh, kings who ruled according to dharma. But many of them, most of them, their name is not remembered today. Ram is remembered. Of course, his astonishing pastimes, killing Ravana. But more than anything, he's remembered for his bhaktavatsalya and how he accepted everyone. He was, uh, he was kshatriya, high class, but he had no hesitation in accepting the offerings of the uh, jungle dwellers, guha. In the, he, he accepted. He accepted a vulture, the most contaminated kind of bird that eats dead bodies rejected by others. I mean, it, it means the, the dead body that, if a lion kills some cow or human, they eat something and leave it. And then the jackals and the vultures come. The vulture, most condemned kind of bird. But Rama accepted. Monkeys, Rama accepted. Vibhishana, from the demon class, Rama accepted. If, if they're devotees, he accepts. There's no consideration. Higher, lower, of course, in terms of social behavior, there's some consideration. But Rama, he accepts the devotion of everyone. Sakrideva prapannayas tavasmiti tayachate tasmai abhayam de... What is that? Abhayam deyam... I'm sorry, I forgot that. But he says that, it's most important, that if one once surrenders to me, uh, it is my vow. When one surrenders to me, I give him all protection and award him fearlessness. So this is Rama. He's, his word, he gives his word. Kshatriya, he can die to maintain his word. Uh, if one surrenders to me, I accept him. Uh, so his his love for his devotees, so much concern for his devotees. Not just officially as a king, 
because it's his duty, but with great affection also. Bharat was left behind in Ayodhya, supposed to be the king by the machinations of his mother who had Ram banished to the forest. But he thought, uh, Rama, he's in the forest, he's suffering because of me, because my mother wanted me to be the king. So he's appointed me the king, but I won't live in the city and enjoy the luxury and the honor and the prestige. I'll rule from just outside the city, uh, placing myself below the uh, shoes of Rama and living on barley boil, boiled in cow's urine. If Rama has to suffer austerities, then I, I should not be enjoying at his expense. Why did he do that? Well, you could say that's a sense of dharma because Rama was mistreated. He didn't want to accept the throne in a wrong way. Uh, he wanted to respect his elder brother. But it, that was there, but not just that. Because everyone had deep love for Rama. And that was the great tragedy of Ravana. Ravana was a Rakshasa. He thought he was enjoying life. But the great tragedy, the great tragedy of his life was not that he was killed by Rama. But that he, he also had the opportunity. As he was again and again advised especially by Vibhishana and by Mandodari, you don't fight with Rama. Even you've, you've been so wicked in kidnapping his wife. If you go and sincerely surrender to him, he'll accept you, he'll forgive you. So Ravana could have also had the gift of Rama's protection and love, but no, because of his pride, he couldn't, and not only pride, he had no desire for that. It's most unfortunate. His good fortune that he was killed by Rama. That is the best fortune he could get. Also that Maricha, that one of the first demons, that Rama, when he went out of the, he was taken out of the home by Vishvamitra. So the one demon who was polluting the sacrifice, the, the, uh, that woman was the first to go, Tataka. Then Maricha, Rama shot him with the arrows, and the arrows shot him all the way over to the other side of India. Then uh, he understood the power of Rama. Just as a boy, he did this, even before he was a fully grown man. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> then later, Ra Ravana, inspired by Shurpanaka, he wanted to kidnap Sita. So he went to Maricha. That you have to help because you, I have a plan. You you go as a as a golden deer. <clears throat> this way, you entice Rama away. And Maricha told him, "You're a fool." I'm telling you frankly, as a f I'm your friend, and I'm telling you, you are a fool. 
If you have any good sense, forget Sita, forget Ram, you're, ha- you're living happily in Lanka, just go and be happy and forget all of this. Because Rama will kill you. Rama says, oh, no, no, he's just a human. What are you talking about? He's just a... He, I know his power. Just as a boy with this arrow, he shot me onto the other side. I'm so afraid of him. If, if I even hear anyone say any word, the syllable R, I become afraid. He's going to say Rama. I'm always, when I see a tree, I'm afraid Rama's behind it. You forget all that. He said, Ravana said, no, you do what I say. I'm your king. He said, so Maricha said, okay, all right. At least Rama will kill me. Either I'm going to be killed by you for, for, for disobeying you or I'll be killed by him. Better be killed by him than you. <laughs> That'll be my good fortune if I'm killed by him. If I'm killed by you, <laughs> I'll share in your sinful reaction. At least, I'm, at least I can get some, some benefit by being killed by Rama. So that was Ramana's benefit in his life. He was killed by Rama. He he. He couldn't, even Maricha, he could have gone and said, hey, you know, uh, Ravana, he, he told me to do this, but actually, I'm not going to do it. And Rama would have protected him. But anyway, there had to be the Leela also. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a Ramayana. Ravana, the most unfortunate person is Ravana. He could have gone... His attitude, he couldn't get the mercy. And the only way he could get the mercy of Rama was being killed by him. So, as we're preaching Krishna Bhakti, we can also preach about Rama. Why not? And people love Rama. Everywhere. The, his, by his pastimes, Rama... He, he had to wander from North India to South India, here and there. So there are so many places where he visited. And people remember up to the present time. Just next to Salem, Ayotapatanam, place visited by Lord Ra. There are so many places visited by him. So we should tell the people, you're fortunate, you're living in a, this land this whole land is purified by Rama, Balaram, Nityananda, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna also visited so many places. What to speak of so many great devotees. Previously, people used to go by foot on pilgrimage. So, so many thousands, millions of devotees have purified this land by walking here and there to go on pilgrimage. This uh, great Acharyas, Ramanuja, Madhva, they walked here and there. They purified the land. So, uh, how blessed is this land? We should remind people and ask them to chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Now the people of India, they've become the most unfortunate. They have this, but they're interested in cricket, factories, 
politics, useless movies. We have to remind them. Still people are coming to Sri Rangam, to Tirupati, to Vrindavan. It's a great opportunity actually. We, we should, from Sri Rangam, we should preach. No one's preaching here. Velagudi Krishnan, he's preaching now. Otherwise no one was preaching. There's great opportunity for preaching and not only to the traditional Vaishnavas, Ayanga community, but so many people come. All the Ayapa Swami followers, they come here also. They, they can also be, they should take books. Great opportunity. Let us pray on this day for the mercy of Lord Rama that he can infuse us with little of his potency so that we can uh, again revive in, in the hearts of the people the natural love for him that was with every, their forefathers. They had this. This whole area, this South Telugu-speaking area, Tamil-speaking area, practically everyone, they all had love. For, it was just, just everyone, it was just normal. They forgot that. And this rascal, they made this statue here, Periya, just to insult. That's why they have to have a police protection. Deliberately insulting. You should take that deity and melt it and just like the Buddha deity is melted and put on the above Sri Ranganatha Swami. So they take that and do something useful, make some bells for offering arities. <laughs> yeah, that should be done. This is, this is disgraceful. It's disgr the government is stealing all the money they're using that money to build a statue, or put a statue of the greatest insulter of Lord Rama in the modern age. We need Ram Raja, any Kshatriyas. <laughs> who will come? Who will, who will chastise these demons who are posing as the leaders of the Indian people? They require to be chastised. Anyway, we're not in a position to do that now, but it should be done. Or they can come to good sense. That's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. Not so much punishing by killing, but to change their consciousness. Dino hino joto chilo hariname udharano. The most fallen in this age, in this age the most fallen are those in the highest positions. Now we are recruiting people to this Hare Krishna movement. They're not all the big people, all the big, famous, wealthy, influential people, they're not coming. They should also come. Anyway, Hare Krishna, I'll finish now.
and uh, we'll have a break so you can all finish chanting your rounds if you didn't finish this and that and there'll be breakfast prasadam for children and the elderly Hari Bhakti Vilas states that Ekadashi fasting should be observed by everyone from the age 8 to 80 so all those who are under 8 or over 80 they can take some prasadam and maybe all the kids who are not very old and are not used to all this they can take some also then again what time do we have Convi I'll come about 11.30 so uh, if you want you can go on with bhajans now or you can take a break and uh, one suggestion I have is that say from 10.30 you can get the ninth canto of Bhagavatam and just read the read that whole section you'll have time to read the purports also so you can do that in English and Tamil you want to do that? And do that. You can at least the English you can get from the computer. And Sri Giridhari must have, I think he has the Tamil in his com anywhere you can get from the local center. Hopefully, presumably, they have the Bhagavatam set there. Hare Krishna, Jai Sri Rama, Jai Sri Aram, as they say in North India. <laughs>